couple weeks ago, we started this series uh, about walking across the room. And no, it's not a series on exercise or making sure you get your steps in uh, or whatever, uh, but uh, it's about sensing the nudge of the Holy Spirit to step out from what's comfortable and what's familiar and into conversations uh, that direct people toward God. And the key to all of this is not to force yourself to become some crazy person on the corner uh, with a little sand, uh, sandwich sign that says the end is near, right? That's not, that's not the goal here. It's not even about memorizing tactics and, and presentations that you can confront people with. It's all about tuning in to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the key verse that, that I keep coming back to is in Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. It's, it's just that simple. The Holy Spirit wants to guide our lives, and the one, uh, one of the main reasons that we're here on this planet is to share the, the good news of the gospel with the people around us. Uh, Oswald Chambers uh, wrote this, God has left us on the earth. What for? To be saved and sanctified? No. To be at it, at it for him. Uh, interesting way. To, sometimes we think it's it's so that we can be as holy as possible, so that we can be uh, great, great followers of God, and all that's important. Chambers says our primary reason that God has left us on the earth is to be at it for Him, to to to, to dive into what it means to represent Him in the world today. Now, oftentimes we get sidetracked and, and we, we, we don't necessarily know how to do that or, or we've had bad experiences in the past so we kind of shy away from it or, or we just don't have the passion for sharing that relationship, our relationship with God with other people. We're, we're comfortable. We might say things like, oh, that, that's not my gift or I could never do that or I wouldn't know what to say or that's not how I'm made. That's not how I operate. I, I just mess things up and make it worse. Or maybe you're thinking, you would never admit this, I know, but maybe you're thinking, isn't that what the pastor's for, right? Isn't that why we hired you, buddy? Why are you up here telling me I need to do something? That's why you're here. I think you went to school to do this, right? So uh, so let's uh, let's kick it into gear there, preacher, and uh, quit making me feel guilty. I, I'm sure that didn't run through your mind at all. But actually, Scripture tells us uh, in many places that as followers of Jesus, all of us, are called, equipped, and expected to share the gospel. All of us are. Uh, Most specifically, Ephesians chapter 4 says that it's my job, it's the church's job, not to do all the ministry, but to develop you so that we can all reach others. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 says, For Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. It doesn't say that the evangelists, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers do all the work to build up the church. They equip the people to do the work of service to build up the church. The main goal of the church uh, and the main goal of this series in particular is to inspire you and to equip you so that you can use your gifts and talents to use the life that you've been given to build up the body of Christ. How do we do that? Well, we take walks across rooms. Well, that's the metaphor that we're, we're using in, in this series anyway. Based on that book by Bill Hybels, if you haven't read it yet, grab it. I'm sure you can get it uh, cheap off of Amazon. Uh, great, great uh, helpful information there in knowing what it takes to start up these conversations, to, to uh, step into these, uh, these opportunities. Could be as simple as an invitation, uh, inviting somebody to an event, inviting somebody to church, something like that. Uh, I need to, to just share briefly about, uh, about Nick. 
Um, many of you know that, that my son Nick has uh, worked a, a summer job for a few weeks uh, down here at a, a hotel down here in Seville, uh, and, uh, and, and he's had a great time. And, and anyway, the last week of work, a couple days left to work, and he texts me. And I'm going to go pick him up. And he texts me and he says, Dad, can you bring uh, some of those, uh, those cards from church? Well, we have, you have one in your, uh, in your, your bulletin there. It's, it's these little invitation cards. Uh, here's actually uh, uh, the, the last part of that text. He says, I asked my coworker if they want a card. And they said, sure, Nick, I would love to come to your church. Come on, Nick's doing it. You can't let him uh, outshine you, right? Uh, it, that's that's this these little cards, just one little way that uh, your church is trying to inspire and equip you to uh, to share the love of God, to walk across the room, to step into a conversation, to invite someone. Just very, very simple. It could be just that simple. Uh, it's it's all about really. I mean, again, Heibel's wrote a whole book on it, but it's it's really just comes down to uh, relationships and stories. And that's kind of where we're going to drill down today. First of all, we need to be developing relationships with people. Statistics show that the longer that you've been following God, the less interaction you have with people who are far from God. Now, that just makes sense. Uh, it, we gravitate toward people with, that, that have like interests. And, and if, uh, if our relationship with God is the most important thing in our lives, with it, which it should be, then we're probably going to surround ourselves with uh, people that also have that like interest and that their relationship with God is most important as well. But, but just, just as uh, God sought us out while we were still sinners... Scripture says, we need to be intentional about seeking out friendships with people who don't yet know God. Unfortunately, it's, it's a whole lot easier and it's more common to form these holy huddles, so to speak. Uh, uh, we, we get other uh, Christians together and we're kind of all huddled in together, right? And, uh, and, and we can forget about the people that are, that are not following Christ yet. It's, it's kind of hard to step out sometimes. We tend to focus on our own spiritual development and we, we feel holy and, and spiritual if we, if, if we dive in and we spend all of this energy on, uh, attending stuff at church, right? That's, that's, uh, really holy if I went to church X number of times this week or this month or, or, uh, I, I join a Bible study or I, I spend time and energy, uh, diving into, to this or that. Of course, all those things are, are vitally important. We need to spend time developing our spiritual lives. They're, they're, those things are essential. But if we're not careful, we can spend so much time, I've heard this for years, we can spend so much time being heavenly conscious that we're no earthly good. We're so conscious uh, of our spiritual life that we're not making a difference in the world where we live. Uh, one of our general superintendents, Church of the Nazarene, Dr. David Graves, uh, uh, sent this in an email to, uh, to pastors just a couple of weeks ago. He says, this is the biggest detriment to fulfilling the great commission that we have today. We don't know any non-Christians well enough to share the gospel with them. Jesus went out of his way, and we must go out of our way to build real friendships with people outside of the church. You know, actually, uh, there, there are times when instead of uh, reaching uh, out to build friendships outside of the church, uh, many times uh, we, we actually put down the people that we're supposed to be reaching. They, we, they, they annoy us almost, right? Uh, we, we, can, we can get so ingrained in our holy huddle that uh, we get annoyed with the people who aren't following. So in, instead of walking toward the people that need God's love, we get further away from them. And, uh, you know, we probably would never admit this, but it, it still happens. Oh, I'm so tired of their, their language and I'm just, I'm just not going to 
not going to uh, even get near that. Or, or oh, the neighbors, they're having parties every weekend. And can you see all the people and the cars? And the, oh, it's just, and, and we get we get annoyed and we get ticked off. And, uh, oh, I can't spend time with that. I can't condone that lifestyle. If I spend time with that person, people will think that I'm, uh, I, I agree with what they're, and I just, oh, I can't. A few, just a few examples. But in, in order to counteract that, then we, we kind of become hyper-spiritual, so to speak. And, and we, uh, we uh, get to church as many times as possible. And we, we spend all this time in, in, uh, in study and, and all those kinds of things. And we, we, uh, we, we try to keep things simple, safe, and spiritual. And on the surface, those things are, are, are great. Again, I can't believe that, that uh, as your pastor, I'm telling you not to become super spiritual. Uh, that's not what I'm saying, uh, but I'm saying that we tend to cocoon ourselves at times into a place of ineffectiveness. And, and we're not effective in reaching the world that we're actually here to reach. Holy huddles do not develop the life that Jesus promoted when he sent out his followers to be sheep among wolves. So we need to love broken people. We need to extend grace to the hurting and the sinful world where we live. It's nothing, but it's certainly not simple or safe. But it's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus didn't always hang around with the religious crowd. In fact, he got in trouble with the religious crowd for partying with the sinners all the time, right? Uh, And his answer to that, when they confronted him on it, Luke 5, 31 and 32, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So we have to ask ourselves, are we being intentional about spending time with, about building relationships with the people that need God's love? Now, a quick caveat here, so to speak. Uh, the Bible does warn against the influence of unrighteous people in our lives, right? Uh, so, so we have to be careful in this. Uh, our intent is, uh, is key here. What's our intention in building these relationships? Jesus spent time with these sinners so that, uh, so that not to condone their behavior, but to let them know that there's a better way to live. And so there was, there was this, this intention not of diving into that in order to get my encouragement and support and these are my friends and this is us, but it's diving into that and finding to say, to point to that following God is, is better than this. There's something better. Uh, he didn't dive into those relationships in order to imitate those lifestyle, that lifestyle. He wasn't getting his strength and encouragement from that. He had a close group of friends. He had uh, the, the disciples that he got his in, in, encouragement and strength and, and fed into, and they fed into him, and, and, and they developed each other. But then there was this, out of that, then he could minister to folks who weren't yet following. Paul calls it uh, being unequally yoked, that we're not supposed to be unequally, well, that uh, many times uh, uh, refers to uh, being being married to someone who doesn't, we don't share uh, share faith, but but it can also include close close friendships where, where this is where we're getting our advice, this is where we're getting, so that's not what we're talking about here. We need to be careful in that. I, I wanted, to, wanted to lay that out here for just a second, but we still need to reach out to people who need God's love because we can't just cocoon ourselves and just form that holy, holy huddle and ignore the world around us. It could be as simple as, as uh, uh, you have a hobby and you, instead of just doing it by yourself, you invite somebody to do it with you. Somebody who uh, doesn't yet follow Christ and so you're, you're, uh, you're, you're doing that and as you do that, uh, conversations develop and, and, uh, and, and situations happen where you can, you can share your faith. Maybe you just need to notice people more. 
I, I'm so much, you know, we get in our mindset of, uh, we kind of get these blinders on and, and we get in this mindset of this is my life, I got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. We get so busy and, and we move so fast and, and, and we go through, we got the, the headphones in, we've got, the, you know, all of that. And, and so, so many times we just need to, need to notice a, a, a quote here from, from Heibel's in his book. He says, try a little experiment this week. So here's, here's a challenge for you this week. As you pull into your driveway, fight the temptation to look past your neighbor. Perhaps for the first time, stop long enough to wonder why God chose to put the two of you on the same block to begin with. <laughs> Maybe you've already wondered that. <laughs> why did God choose to put me on the same block with them? Here's another. When you drop off your dry cleaning, take four seconds to smile and ask the name of the person standing behind the counter. Or should you bump into your mail carrier during the day? Uh, first of all, apologize for bumping. No, that's not what. Invest a few minutes discovering if he or she has a spouse or kids. What do they like to do uh, on their day off? Uh, he, he goes on to say this. You can do this type of thing. You can become someone who gives grace away so freely that when people far from God think of you, they think immediately of grace next. We intentionally notice people. We uh, spread his grace, not necessarily with the intention of, of sharing the four spiritual laws in the first conversation, but, but, but we're spreading grace and we're, we're uh, helping people to know that, uh, that they can know uh, that, that, that we're just building a relationship. And, and as God uh, nudges us, as the Holy Spirit leads us, we follow his leading. We're willing, as we talked about last week, we're willing and ready. We're staying close, we're staying close to God. We're staying close to the people around us so that we can step into those opportunities as they're, as they're opened up to us. An important part of this is, is seeing the potential in people. I, I think we don't do this. I, maybe I'm just preaching to me today. I don't know, but I, I think that, that we tend to look at people as who they are, not who they could become by the grace of God. 2 Corinthians 5, uh, we looked at that a couple of weeks ago. It says, regard no one from a worldly point of view. I think we do that a lot. Uh, part of, of regarding someone uh, from a heavenly or a spiritual point of view is to recognize that there's potential there, that, they're, that, that that's how God sees them, uh, just like he saw you. Of course, the people who aren't following Jesus are, 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 are sinning, and they're messed up, and they're not making good choices. You did too. You were just like that as well. But just like God is changing you, God can change the people around you, maybe even through your influence. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, if anyone is in Christ, the, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. There's a change that can take place, and many times we don't see that potential. You've probably heard that before. Uh, you, you'd even say you you believe it. But when you see someone who obviously isn't following Jesus, do you get judgmental and, and look down on them and shy away from them? Or do you think about what God wants, who God wants them to become? What God could do in their lives? You see, the old can become new. And the, 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 the lost can be found and the broken can be made whole and the wandering can come home. God is in the business of transforming lives. And so we need to see people from his perspective. We need to walk across rooms to see if maybe he wants to use us to help with that transformation. So we need to develop relationships. We need to, 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 to look for those opportunities to, to make friendships, to develop relationships. And as you're doing that, you're going to, dis, you're going to discover stories. For most of us, this, this takes practice. Usually when we're talking, uh, again, maybe it's just me, 
uh, I try not to do this, but many times uh, when you're in a conversation, uh, you're using that time that that other person is doing this to think about all the quippy little cool things you're going to say after they stop doing this, right? Instead of listening to their uh, story and listening to uh, what they're talking about, many times we're focused on us and what we say. When we follow the Spirit's leading and we walk across the room, then we need to not just blurt out what we want to say, but we need to develop, uh, we need to discover their story and, and, and who they are and where life has taken them and, and where they're going. And uh, that relationship is so important. We're not just making a presentation or, or trying to get all the information out or get somebody saved, so to speak. We care about that person. We care about every part of them. That includes their soul. We get to know them, we discover their story, and, and as we do, we'll figure out those nat- natural next steps. Again, Bill Heibel says it doesn't take a genius to discern appropriate next steps in relationships. All it takes is radar that's simultaneously tracking the Holy Spirit's promptings as well as the needs of the person you're talking to. So we're discovering stories, we're, we're, we're focused on developing those relationships, we're, we're following the, the, the nudge of the Holy Spirit and uh, looking for the opportunities to step into uh, to new ways. And as we do that, there will come an opportunity for us to tell our story. We need to be able to verbalize our experience with Jesus. Last week we saw First uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says that we need to always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have. So the question is, and I think I asked you last week, are you prepared to give an answer for the hope that you are? Are you ready for that? If someone asked you your experience with Jesus, could you tell them in a, in a concise, compelling way, could you tell them, or would it be a bunch of hemming and hawing and, and uh, maybe some disjoy? Have you thought through that enough to know what you would say? In Acts chapter 1, Jesus told his followers that, that, that they were going to be his witnesses, since we are his followers now, that witness, uh, uh, Jesus imploring his followers to be witness, that applies to us too. We are to be his witnesses. Everyone who signs on to follow Jesus is, is a witness. Well, what does that mean? We, we know what witnesses are. We can't turn on the TV without seeing 17 crime dramas these days, right? You, whether you've been in a courtroom or not, we've, uh, we, uh, we have uh, an idea of what a witness, up on the witness stand, someone who tells what they what they heard, what they saw, what they experienced. A witness testifies to what they personally experienced. The most effective and powerful form of evangelism is to tell your story. Maybe we think we have to have all these things lined out and all these arguments and, and uh, point one and point two and, and convince somebody of this and doing all that. Uh, all that does a lot of times is, uh, unless the person is, is open to it and, and receptive, uh, a lot of times it just causes more, more angst and drama and uh, argument. But if you tell your story, well, you know what? I, it's what happened to me. No one, no one can argue with that. They, well, no, that didn't happen to you. Well, yeah, it did. I'm telling you that. That's what happened. We are to be his witnesses. The best example of this is in, is in John chapter 9 uh, in, the, in the Bible, the best example, uh, where Jesus had healed a man on the Sabbath. The man had been born blind, and, and uh, the, the Pharisees didn't like it. The church leaders didn't like it, and they, they did their whole investigation, and they interviewed people, and they, they pulled this guy to interview him two or three times, and, and, uh, and, and he was fed up with it, and finally, uh, this man who had been blind, and, and, uh, and Jesus had healed him, uh, and he, he came up with the best seven-word witness in all of Scripture. You've heard it before. You've sung it before. He says in John nine twenty five, I was blind, 
but now I see. Seven words. Seven words that told the story of his experience with Jesus. He was a witness telling what he'd experienced. He started with where he was before Jesus, I was blind. Then he proceeded to tell the difference that Jesus had made in his life. Now, because of Jesus, because of my encounter with the Son of God, now I can see everything is different. Everything has changed. Seven words of a transformed life. What are your seven words? What are your seven words? Have you thought through that? Have you, have you brought it down to say, this is where I was, this is how I met Jesus, this is what happened? Do we have that? You're a witness. I was blank, but now I'm blank. I was angry. Now I'm kind. I was selfish. Now I'm compassionate. I was fearful. Now I'm confident. I was lost. Now I'm found. In search, maybe it's not quite that simple as seven words. Maybe you need to, you know, stretch it out a little bit. I, I get that, but we need to be able to explain the difference that Jesus has made in our lives in a concise and compelling way. Not, oh yeah, I go to church and it's cool. That was concise, not all that compelling. Um, or we can, you know, go through a whole lot. Well, you know, I was, you know, back when I was three, and we tell the whole story, and, and pretty soon, you know, they've glazed over and we haven't. Can you tell the story of your interaction with Jesus and the difference that he has made in your life in a concise and compelling way? Be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. Needs to be short, needs to be specific, needs to be free of religious language for uh, people that aren't in the church or haven't grown up in there or haven't been around it at all. Uh, they, don't, they don't know all those churchy kind of words that maybe some of us know. It's something that we need to take the time to think through. It's, it's something where you maybe you need to, to X out a little bit of time in your schedule this afternoon or, or this week sometime and, and, and pray on what, uh, what it is, what, what, what is your testimony. Sure, it, it's maybe going to be longer than seven words. I, I, in thinking through what the difference is that Christ has made in my life, maybe, maybe it would be a little bit like this. For a long time, I lived just, just trying to have a good time. And I didn't have a whole lot of purpose or direction, and I usually followed the rules. I'd grown up in the church, and, and I was just along for the ride, though, in life. And then I met Jesus personally, and he has given me purpose. And accepting his love for me, now I know that I have been created to make a difference in the world, and I still uh, love to have a good time, but I have this amazing peace and, and that God is guiding and directing my life. Okay, that's more than seven words. Actually, if you counted, you, you probably didn't. Just shy of a hundred words. Testimony, just shy of a hundred. So what are your seven, what, what's your hundred words? Uh, I guess if I was to boil mine down, I was aimless. Now I have purpose, seven words. What are yours? What do you know? Have you thought about it? Uh, the challenge, I guess, uh, some more homework for you. Think about it. <laughs> Spend time with it. Uh, like, write it down and stuff. Type it. Erase it and try it again. Uh, here's, here's an idea. You, I don't know what it is. I don't know what to do, preacher. I'm not sure I want to. Well, write something down and send me an email, and maybe we'll talk about it. Or maybe I'll say, well, could you say this or could you do it? Uh, Eternity depends on it for someone in your life. And if we're hemming and hawing, we're not ready to give an answer for the hope that we have, then, then those opportunities just might fall through the cracks. We need to be able to tell our story. And of course, we also need to be able to tell God's story. 
It's about relationships and stories. Discover their story, tell our story, but we also need to be able to tell God's story. What has God done in the world? We need to be able to uh, explain the story of Jesus. I'm not talking about preaching a sermon or, or leading a Bible study, but, but we should be able to know how to tell the good news of the gospel. There's this little insert in your, uh, in your bulletin. We're not going to read through it or, or walk through it, but there's three different, just real quick, write them on a napkin kind of uh, ways that we can explain uh, a little a glimpse of the gospel, the story of Jesus, what Jesus has done in our lives, the, the bridge, uh, uh, do and done, the morality ladder. Read through that. It'd take you five minutes. Uh, but uh, those, those are just uh, little quick things that you can, uh, you can maybe put in your hip pocket and pull out. And when necessary, someone's, uh, someone's uh, worried about earning their salvation or, or earning their way to heaven, you can do the do and done and, and talk about how, how Jesus and Christianity is spelled done, not do all these things, but Jesus has already done it. For, uh, commit these things to memory, look over them, uh, be ready to pull them out and share. And maybe it's not that. Maybe it's something else. Maybe other things have, have worked for you. That's... That's great. So we need to develop these relationships. We need to take the time to get to know people and to understand their story. We need to tell our story and be able to share our seven words or our hundred words or something in a, in a short and concise and, and compelling way what Jesus has done in our lives. And we need to be able to tell the story of God, uh, Jesus has made all the difference. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. He's the bridge, and we, we uh, are nothing. We cannot get to God without him. We need to be able to tell these things so that the folks around... It, it's not just going to happen on it, but we've got to put some work... We've got to put some effort into it because we can't just sit back. We can't just spend time in our holy huddle. We've got to, we, we're on this earth not just to be saved and sanctified and holy. We're on a mission from God. We're here to impact the, uh, the, the community around us. We're, we're here to make a difference. We're witnesses. So we need to develop relationships. We need to discover stories. We need to tell, be able to tell our story. And we need to be able to tell the story of God. Because you and I are on a mission from God. Lord God, I pray that as we go from this place that we would go not just thinking that we've done our religious duty for the week, but that we would go as if the starting gun has just gone off. That we would go knowing that you have divine opportunities for us. That you have uh, people and situations uh, where you need us to represent you. Lord, I, I pray that you'll help us if we need to, 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 to do the work, to take the time to, uh, to, to narrow down. What is it that, how could we, how could we say in a compelling way what you have done in our lives? I pray that, that, that if we need to, uh, to, to carve out the time to do that, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to do that, that we'll fight against the, uh, the, the things that, that, that war on our time so that we can, we can make that happen. Lord, I pray that, that, that we can recognize that every single moment of every day we are, are on mission for you, that we represent you and the choices that we make and the things that we say and the things, places that we go and, and the relationships that we have in every single one of those things, you desire us to represent you well. Lord, you are working and moving in this world. We want to we wanna be available to help wherever we can. 
So I pray that as we go from here, we would go uh, knowing that your spirit is moving and leading us and that I pray that you'll help us to recognize the nudge of your spirit in our lives. We, uh, we thank you for your presence and your power and for the things that you're going to do in our lives this week as we are faithful to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.